Red lights are flashing, klaxons are sounding, and it's all hands to battle stations. Why do these things always happen on a Thursday? This time, a bloody great fleet carriers pop right out of which space directly in front of the orbital. Or behind it, or, you know, round the side. It's always difficult to tell in space, don't you think? Anyway, this one is covered with strange writing and symbols and is a sort of amateurish, hand-painted look about it. A squadron of eagle fighters take off from the flight deck and approach Hutton. All those not involved in defence of the station are ushered to the shelters to await their fate. The Momus Bog Spaniel security detail are all growling and quacking excitedly, anticipating the opportunity to sink their teeth into the tender flesh of someone's arse cheek. Floor mopping guy has put a high shine on all of the floors to simultaneously dazzle and unbalance the invaders. Outside, the eagles have formed up to cover every approach to Hutton, and their leader, a small man with a Brian Mays haircut, Marty Feldman's eyes and a Mars bar stuck to his forehead, comes on screen and starts shouting things at the flight crew. The translator shows they are demanding landing permission. Putting the message through the translator tron in the orbital, they appear to be demanding something called blood wine, and have declared honour on Alvin's house. Which sounds threatening, but he's very impressed. They're granted landing permission and are met by a welcoming party at the docking bay. One glance at their weapons and docking crew break out the large spanners and give them a thorough thumping. At which point, the latex masks are ripped off and a group of middle-aged cosplayers put up their hands in surrender. We'd forgotten that it was the Trek convention on the station tomorrow. Rather sheepishly, while they're all being patched up by Nurse Wyeth, a voice can be heard from the broadcast tower. Our mics are live. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to my second outing as Hutton's chief button smasher and seamifier. I'm Wilma Finkadoo, and I am so, so, so much faster at uploading the show than all of you lot. And a good thing it was too last week, as it was a green room week, and that normally takes me a whole day to upload. If you remember. Well, yeah, I remember, usually. Well, I'm usually tired by that point. I always remember, but I'm not the one pushing the buttons. I do try and hit you with the pan if you forget, though. Yeah, you keep doing that to me, and it's not that I forget. It's just that I've got a wet bit of string as a network cable to the, from my porter deck to the gal tube. It gets there eventually. A bit like a docking computer trying to thread a Type 10 through the toast track of a busy station. They should study my docking prowess. They could learn a thing or two from the repeated mug deliveries. Splash and dash with the gin. Talking of splash and dash, it's time for this week's headlines. LCU's reinvention as a bit of a personal banker. Golnet nap swap as apology officer rescues Wotherspoon. Too hot, too messy, plods along. What's in a name? We ask the Alliance. 
Atrus is bringing us the latest from Hackswing. And Alex Uno's back and indignant over the number thousand. Finally, we bring up the rear with Hutton's latest BGS news. Tonight, there was outrage in the LCU No Camp Like One campaign headquarters of LCU No Fool Like One presidential campaign, as the Bank of Zeons appear to have closed all of his bank accounts, citing his presidential bid as a risk to the bank and labelling him as a politically exposed person. LCU was swift to rebut the accusation, saying that any claims that he was exposed, politically or otherwise, were totally untrue. Unless, of course, you were talking about his last medical examination, in which case it was perfectly above board to have stripped in the manner that he did. Of course, the nurse performing the examination, as part of the requirement of any presidential candidate to be a fit and proper person and definitely human, was admitted to a nearby infirmary and had to be given the smelling salts and a leaflet about PTSD. LCU did ask how he was supposed to know that all he had to do was to get a little prick, and the computer did the rest. Anyway, the closure of his Bank of Zeons account is said not to have been related to his exposure, but as a result of his ongoing balance being far too low for a political candidate, and as such they suggested alternative banking solutions including stashing it all on his own fleet carrier, stuffing in under a mattress, and isn't his wallet big enough for that little wad of cash? It has left LCU in a predicament where he no longer is able to access his billions, acquired through vast amounts of exobiology and exploration, and a number of his clones having to borrow off friends. Political commentators have been fast to point the finger at incumbent President Hudson, and have suggested that he has undue influence with the bank, ruling out all but the richest candidates, and by extension, they mean Hudson himself, and of course, ultra-squillionaire Rackham. LCU has fought back as he is working on a complex barter system, where for every 1,000 leaflets delivered to Federation space, he donates some of the Gnosis avian cheese, so rare, and to some so pungent, that very few people in the galaxy own some. Of course, federal taxation authorities are currently devising a new avian cheese tax and, del- and deliberating on whether to classify it as a foodstuff, poison, uh, rare of mass destruction, or novelty toy. Further to last week's report that Commander Wotherspoon of the Gullnet News Digest had been kidnapped and forced to write propaganda for the Empire, we're delighted to say that expert negotiators working for Hutton Orbital have managed to secure his release. This didn't come without a cost, and in this case the team were looking for a willing volunteer for a hostage exchange. Not managing to find one, they looked through the archives for likely candidates, the kind of exchange that involved swapping the Wotherspoon for a super spy with expert escapology skills, and a tendency to exact extreme prejudice on his, her, or their captors. The kind of person that stares out from movie posters from action blockbusters and gets mad at someone being mean to his dog or her mum. 
Of course, Hun being Hun, and Commander Rampage now being ruled out due to extreme age and infirmary after his various injuries, they drew a blank. So, they drew lots. And who was to get the short straw but Hun's own apology officer? They weren't present when the draw was done and didn't answer the doorbell, but likely the crew's quarters after that incident with Cecil were detachable from the station. So, a waiting Type 9 was loaded up with the accommodation suite, which was marginally larger than a cargo canister, but only just, and the whole package was swapped with a waiting Imperial Cutter cargo pod containing the Wotherspoon just in time for this week's show. We've attempted to contact the Apology Officer to determine what their escape plan is, We've posted a Tunnock's tea cake with a file in it, and of course secret plans for the detention centre written in authentic Ouija. But all we can hear is snoring and yawning. What dastardly task will they set for the apology officer to this week? Will the results be dipped in molten cheese and served on a stick? Will they have to partake in sordid bacchanalian orgies dressed in nothing but a toga? Only time will tell. The good news is that we managed to find the latest Hutton Helper results scrolled on a piece of paper in the studio. But by next week, we're looking for new candidates to be swapped to the Empire, as we reckon there's only one person capable of being litibulated, desalinated, shugled, mitigated, exploded, launched, verified, motivated, evacuated, ejected, manhandled, or womanhandled, deliquesced, and then smeared, deflected, emphasized, astrophized, lasered in the face, snuffed, flipped, flopped, mistranslated to and from Spanish, froth, chilled, mugged, ginned, wrapped up with a pretty bow, shipped, shot, rescued, stewed in their own juices, battered and deep fried, dead dropped, painted and rolled down a hill, destroyed, bought, phoned in, squeezed, inflated, patched, liquidated, evaporated, smelled, licked, discombobulated, recombobulated, mutinied or mutated, headbutted, eviscerated, compressed, enveloped, Strained, fermented, murderized with an S, and terror-banged, upcycled, violently downcycled, disallowed, reallowed after consulting VAR, loved, adored, cherished, and probinated, like our apology officer, and we might need them back. After 48 weeks, or 11 long months, too hot, too messy, the Hutton-led initiative to deliver a Hutton mug and Centauri Megagin to all stations in the galaxy has recorded over 82,000 deliveries. Weekly numbers were about the same last week and the four weekly average is hovering around 1,200 deliveries a week. No new commanders joined this week, leaving the number signed up to 292, who are spread across 96 squadrons. Hutton still has the largest contingent with 93 commanders who have delivered over 43,000 mugs. The Buckyball Racing Club are in second place, closing on 5,000 deliveries. The Winter Stars are holding third and not having moved in the week from 3,150, the Paladins are in fourth with 1950. The Order of Twelve have over 1,600 in fifth, the Burpit are sixth, the Anti-Xeno Initiative are seventh, the Satyria Accord are eighth, and the Undead are ninth. Elite Dangerous NZ are tenth. Membership of the Thousandth Club remains at ten squadrons. Commander Chicks is still leading the delivery table with almost 12,400 mugs delivered. 
Well, they're 81 is second, over 10,200 deliveries ahead of NEM, in third with 6,400 deliveries. Sheer Blackwood is in fourth place with over 4,800, ahead of Infinite Dreamer in fifth, who has just broken 3,000. Talkie Mouse is in sixth, ahead of LDSK in seventh. Border Reader's recent push has taken him into a clear eighth place, 100 ahead of Reese Lang in ninth. Sinister Hedgehog concludes the top 10. The Thousand Club still has 13 members of as Val Silvana's renewed push didn't quite break the thousand mark. Maybe next week. Of course we know all this because it is tracked live in the Too Hot, Too Messy event page in the Hotton Helper. Additionally, there's a chance to win a real-world dishwasher unsafe self-cleaning so that you don't have to Hotton Mug. Any commander that delivers 10 mugs and gin in the weekly Thursday to Thursday period will be entered into next week's draw to win a real Hutton mug, unless of course you already have one. 47 lucky commanders have accomplished this so far and you can see a little golden mug next to their names in the top commanders table. As mentioned last week's winner was Takamoto. So keep listening for this week's winner to be announced in the banter bit. After the news, if you delivered 10 mugs and gin in every week since the start, 11 months ago you'd have racked up at least 480 deliveries and only 29 or only 1 in 10 have signed up commanders have achieved this. If you haven't, why not give it a try and share the burden for the next 4 years. In order to join the fun, You'll need to sign up by downloading the Hutton Helper from hot.forthemug.com slash download and then your mug and gin deliveries will be automatically registered for you by Antares' organic, non-GMO, soya-fed, local ester replicant hamsters which might not be able to pass a Voigtkamp test but by using their set of very special skills they will hunt you down and they will find you. The Alliance. Normally devoid of the kind of political shenanigans that plague both the Empire and the Federation, has been dealing with a knotty issue after the resignation of one of its more high-profile figures after a bit of a scandal. The issue of political nominative determinism has raised its ugly head once again, after a number of political appointments appear to be either a bit of a joke, genuine scandal, or possibly just tabloid red top galactic publications latching onto a bit of low-hanging fruit and giving it a yank. After Minister for Trade Gordon Flasher was accused of getting a bit smashed at the conference and living up to his name, causing a by-election in his home system after being banned from participating in BGS activities for eight weeks, the finger has been pointed at a number of other dubiously named Alliance figures, including whether it's correct that Minister Rob Anybody should be in charge of the Exchequer, General Mayhem being Head of Alliance Security, Temperance Smith being put in charge of Alliance Party Organising, and of course Deforestation Kelly having oversight of the Green Party. All of the above maintain that their names mean absolutely nothing to their political views. Temperance has been known to have the odd gin and tonic, Minister Anybody says he has no fingers in any pies, and all of those donations were entirely above board, 
and most definitely not brown paper envelope back handers. And of course, Mayhem states that he's part of a long succession of Mayhems, many of whom were pacifists. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. But is there some truth in the accusations that if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck and waddles like a duck, it's probably not a chicken. Only time will tell. Good evening, truckers. Atrus5060 reporting in with all the latest updates on the Thargoid War. Two maelstroms have been reduced to below 100 systems under Thargoid control. That's a nice small number, isn't it? With the remaining maelstroms losing territory. Humanity is taking back control in this fight, and we've got the Thargoids on the ropes. I'm going to be first one at the turnbuckle. AX, or is it Axe groups, including our very own illustrious Hackswing, yay! And our allies in Mode, or is it M-O-D-E, have been making quick work of the Thargoids, regaining territory at an incredibly fast rate, so fast I can't keep up with it. I'll probably have to talk to Alex later. The Thargoids are back under a thousand systems under their controls, and a little bit more on that in a minute, and we've once again limited them to no invasions this week and only a handful of populated alerts. Oya and Hadad Maelstroms have been pushed back dramatically. That's fantastic, that is. With only 30 systems remaining under control of the Oya Maelstrom and 65 for the Hadad Maelstrom. What will happen as we keep pushing the Thargoids back towards the Maelstrom remains to be seen, but we hope developments on how to defeat the Titans will come soon to finally see the conclusion of one theatre of war. Hexwing? Or is it H? No, it's definitely Hexwing. Anyway, we've been doing our part. With Hexcom leadership at the minute very distracted by otherworldly manners, you've continued the good work of helping Mode Alliance, or maybe M-O-D-E, to keep the Thargoids in check. And possibly uh, a nice plant pattern as well, as the Americans call it. Anyway, we've got no invasions this week, but Counter-Strike missions are going to be available via stations found in Thargoid alert systems. And they should be seeking a bit of combat. Our mission for this week will be to end the alerts in populated systems surrounding Tyrannis Maelstrom, starting with Senocidi. You can find it if you look on a map. It's got little symbols next to it, or you can type in the top box. Anyway, after we clear those, we'll be moving to the other alerts across different maelstroms. Let's keep up the good work of keeping the Thargoids contained and retaking control of the bubble. Good luck out there, truckers. For the mug. Our latest report from the Empire of the Fight Paints a similar picture, though there has been a little argument about Galnet reporting the number thousand shortly before it was not thousand anymore. Alex Zuno explains. In week 31, commanders repelled all 24 alerts with 17 inhabited, defended, all five invasions at HIPs 20899, 29596 and 20890. Unktiti and Coco O and evicted 46 control systems with recaptures at Muchi Kicks, Hips 20509 and 24329, Visnero, Horseshoe, 
call 285 sector ZE-PC 6-11 and Vogel Mangle beginning recovery. That becomes a total of 75 systems won versus the meagre 24 attacks. Contrary to the shameful Vox Galactica article in which the fraudulent Jade Sandlin claims over a thousand Darkoid systems, this number fell below said thousand on the day of publication and is now at most 965. Maelstrom's Haddad and Thor were manipulated into losing two attacks each and Lei Gong losing four. So severe is our crippling of the Thargoid front that Maelstrom already is short one attack this week and Lei Gong short two. As warm thanks for giving much of your time on Thursday evenings to the distinct enjoyment of the Imperial Navy Mathematics Department, we invite the Hutton Orbital Truckers Cooperative to choose one or more Thargoid controlled targets of reasonable strength for expedited eviction. Approximately this could be one previously populated system at around 25 years from a light maelstrom or three empty systems at a similar distance. However you decide, be it by asking the Hutton Antizeno Wing, your audience, or for Alvin to put Royal Port onto a galaxy map, your choice named for the relative comfort of Studio 5 will be made very much alien free by the weekend. Much like recent weeks, you could argue that there is bugger all of much interest going on in Hutton space. Six systems are on the naughty step, and one minor issue is flagged on the Master Control Situation Display Panel Board, but more on those stories coming up. For the third week in a row, we have two systems locked in a wooden spoon packed on 30. However, this week it's our old favourite, Barnard Star, dropping 8 points and Ross 671 dropping 5. Barnard Star has an election for second place, which 10th Fleet are contesting, a war pending, three infrastructure failures and a blight, all of which are causing Huck and Hutton truckers to be elated. It doesn't take much, they're easily pleased. Ross 671 has a war tying up at over a third of influence, so there's nothing much to be done in either system this week. Ooh. That, that sound means breaking news. Um, Ross 671 has snatched the wooden spoon from Barnard's star between the start of the show and the BDS by losing two more points. Topping three points to 31, Stein 2051 has both an election and a civil war pending, which will tie up much of system influence for the forthcoming week. A war for second place has just started in 36 Ophiuki, dropping it to 34. Terrorists are running a mark in Y0855-0714, so ship in weapons to the medium pad at Yamazaki Landing and hand in any Hutton bounties you may acquire. Still maintaining its point-a-week upward trend, the notoriously hard-to-move Epsilon Indy has managed to soar to the anxiety-inducing heights of 38. These smelling salts have been deployed and more are on standby for next week. Keeping Indy company on 38 is LP525-39. At the overachieving end of the Hutton Systems table, we have no fewer than eight systems on or above 60%, two of which are over 70 that means we have more systems outside the 40 to 60 zone than in it. 
priorities this week are if you want to chuck something and the answer is yes you do boost lp525-39 and he'll pass Psy. if you want to shoot something vaporize some terrorists in y0855-0714 mostly seamless so as you all know tonight seamless. i'm on deck yes yeah, seamless i have a button here for that seamless there we go <laughs> i thought you weren't going to go with the extra music there since i had about 30 seconds left but you did somebody did somebody I, did i did yeah i did mm. you deserve the exit mm. music you, you know you've got to make that exit you know no i mean the the background talky music you know, oh no i was on the ball with that plink we 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 have like 20 minutes of plinkety plink and then it ends abruptly and yes. I have another button that starts it over here, and it goes plinkety blink some more, but it all we cuts can't out. Let them can't let them look too closely behind the curtain. That no, oh. you can't let them peek under the skirts too. Oh no, <laughs> bit of ankle. Oh, yes. That's way too much for your average trunks. Yes. They, they definitely don't want to look at my skirt. That that's just <laughs> yes. not pleasant. Mm. Oh god. So tonight we have um, Dave, uh, also known as Vantian. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I, I've managed to um, move the uh, the plates over between the Shady Lady 2 to the Shady Lady 3. Oh. So um, she's still called the Shady Lady now. Um, I was expecting it to take two weeks, but about 30 seconds after I pushed the button, they said, no, change it now or your ship's going to be impounded. At which point it was, well, I'm not ready. So so I had to run down to the uh, the livery store and uh, get the new livery painted on the ship quick before they, they uh, took it off me and crushed it. Oh, mm. bloody hell. We also have the Lithobreaker. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. I've actually got a working internet connection this week, so I'm unlikely oh, wow. to drop out unexpectedly. They fixed it, did they? Yeah. They they, they tried yanking on the bit of wire between me and the, the, the gal web, but uh, it wasn't that. It turns out it was a <laughs> dodgy router at this end. So they shipped me a new one and I plugged it in and suddenly it started working. Bless. Well, that is that is good news. Uh, we have the mustachioed chicks. Hello. Hello. How are you? Very good. Very very good. I, my my internet went uh, went all dodgy this afternoon. Copycat. First time in <laughs> oof, since I've had it. When they pull the wire on yours, Litho, do they did they break the router? Because when they pull the wire, the router keeps hitting the wall. Yeah, it fell off the yeah. table. Right. So they basically just switched it off and switched it back on again. Yeah. Mm. I think that's what they did with mine today. <laughs> and saving the best for last, we have the amazing Flossy. <laughs> oh, thank you. How are Hi. you, Flossy? I am very well, thank you. I hope you are too. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little bit nervous with all these buttons. They're very tempting to push. <laughs> yes, yes, don't eat them all at once. So yeah, it's quite nice because oh, I've got my feet up. <laughs> yeah, I've completely got my feet up this evening. This is this is glorious. I've got a, a cold drink in one hand and my feet up on, you know, a chair over there, and I'm not having to push any buttons. This this is marvelous. Yeah, could you move your feet away from the microphone a bit? The smell's wafting through. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have a frontier live stream? No, no. no. They've no. gone. They've gone 
biannually or something now. They, they, they've gone periodic, you know, like Halley's Comet, one every 76 years. Yeah. Uh, Approximately. <laughs> Approximately. I thought it was 60-odd years for Halley's Comet. Approximately. 76, is it? Hmm. Bloody hell. A well, do we have any da, 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 space news? Oh, yes, we've always got space news. Space news. Yeah, oh, well, I think uh, Commander Chicks. Yes. You got the first one. I, I I put one in, but mine's later. Well, that's the. I I didn't put this one in, but I'll I, I'll do oh, it. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or was it was it Jim? Yeah, that was me. That one. Uh, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ariane Five has completed its final launch successfully. <laughs> so Europe's proud Ariane Five rocket was it something like 117 launches and only two catastrophic failures. So very very good hit yeah. rate. Yeah, and a it's now completed of... its final launch streak there it, the same article says 82 streak of successful launches and the same article says 83 so anyway it that was depends a lot. On whether you include this one or not i Thank think you. so yes it's <laughs> that they're, they're, they're happy to be replacing it with the ariane 6 rocket unfortunately that's not actually ready yet so as of how, how long has it got before it gets week, ready oh it was ready years ago oh. so uh real soon now tm next year <laughs> So, what's yeah. different about Ariane six to Ariane five? It's much bigger. It's got a different number on the end. Yeah, it's got a more powerful it's boosters. It's got a bigger bigger, bigger rocket, bigger boosters. Can carry a bigger payload. It's got a wider fairing, I believe, so it can mm. carry bigger, heavier, chunkier stuff to orbit. You still have going to fold them out in space, though. It's not that big. And it's configurable for two solid rocket boosters or four. So there's the 6.2 and the 6.4 variants. They use amazing names for these things. And the 6.4 can even launch two big chunky payloads at once. 20 tons. Super. Mm. 20 tons to the space station, apparently. They, they can take 20 tons of... To lower what, what did we say? They don't need to drink their own urine anymore because they're going to take some urine up from planet Earth to them. 20 tons of it. Is that what you call taking the... Oh, never mind. No, <laughs> yeah. <no>. Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, so it's uh, sort of a bit of an end of an era. Yeah, it's been a good rocket, Ariane 5. It's been a very, very reliable little space bus. If we all remember the other Christmas, watching uh, Christmas morning, watching James Webb Space Telescope go up. And then, when did Juice go up? Was it April? Uh, Juice was 2023. Uh, yeah, April. It was, <clears throat> April, um, yeah. Yes, that was Arian 5. Um, and Euclid it went up at the uh, at the weekend, but there's another there's another bit about that. So yeah, it's quite a quite a record. Hmm. I mean they were gonna put a, a space shuttle up on the end of it, weren't they, originally? <clears throat> the plan was before Elon did the thing, they were gonna just bolt a space shuttle to the front of it to a bit like a plane to the top of it, weren't <laughs> yeah. they? A little orbiter. Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure that Ariane was ever human rated though. It was, but I think yeah. originally they they were looking I mean we're talking 1980s going to yeah. launch um, the Hermes. I think oh, uh, if yeah. we if I we grab the big that. scroll button right down I think there's a picture of it Amelia uh down at the bottom of the article somewhere. Uh this wish wish wish. Yeah, down at the bottom with the with the the Hermes stuck to the There top. it is. Oh. Yes. Oh, Wow. Yeah, but they decided that, that they uh, make somebody else do it, Elon Musk or something. I think I saw the last time I saw something like that, it was in the Anne Summers catalogue. 
<laughs> okay, you must be getting ah. a different edition to the one we get here. Actually, that looks a lot like the uh, the Dream Chaser. The uh, Sierra Nevada space little shuttlecraft. Looks about the size uh, yeah, of Yeah, I tell you what it reminds me of. The one from Buck Rogers. Yes. You know, when he's singing you know, Chicago, Chicago, you're my kind of town and flying back mm -hmm. in to, to oh, have I a rendezvous with Colonel Deering. Well. Oh, be mm -hmm. still my heart. Oh, yes. I remember that well. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and Tweaky in the front there. Bidi, bidi, bidi. Yep, that's the one. Mel Blanc. I'm sorry, I completely sidetracked myself there. So yeah, yeah, they don't launch anything with people in them. That's somebody else's problem. But they do take 20 tons to the space station. There yeah. we go. Mm -hmm. Right, who wants who wants the the second one? Oh, you were just touching on that, weren't you, Chicks, just now? You mentioned Euclidean things. Have we lost Chicks? Uh-oh. No, he's Ch broken. Ch Ch Chicks has muted himself. Uh, I was just, I was just muted the sound thing, of myself being asked if I would like a cup of tea by my assistant. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> yes. White, no sugar. Love a cup. Um, so Euclid is um, is an interesting mission because it's it's there to basically find out what the universe is made of, which sounds a bit daft since we only shoes and ships and ceiling wax. Yeah, pretty much paper bags. Um, because we know what what five percent of it, you know, it's kind of the stuff that this um, this microphone is made out of, you know, solid stuff. Matter. Yes. Um, but we know there's more stuff in the universe because of the way it behaves gravitationally. So this thing is basically a ruddy great camera uh, telescope. So Hubble did a did an exercise a few years ago where it looked at a two arc second portion of the sky, which is really quite small and came up with a sort of um, map um, of where it thinks this uh, this dark matter is. Um, and they went, well, that works really well. But in order to develop or narrow down what they want to look at next, they need more information. So Euclid will look at 15,000 15, arc seconds. It's basically a third of the sky and map it and uh, trying to determine. And, and then they can... Uh, refine the models or choose the model that they, they want to proceed with and then decide how dark matter and dark energy work. So it's all proper groundbreaking stuff or space-breaking stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a funky little picture there about how oh, Hubble did things, um, about Hubble mapped the dark matter's presence over a teensy, tiny, teensy yeah. little volume of sky. I mean, when they say teensy, tiny, they mean really, really big. Yeah. If, if you were to um, Only really, really big if you're really, really far away. If you were to view a single image from Euclid, you'd need 300 monitors to see it. So I know Jeez. some of you, some of the more fancy presenters have got two or even three monitors. Um, well, you'd need three. Or, or if, if you're if you're our, our past co-host, uh, the, the psycho cow, it's about 12 in a grid yeah, around yeah. his head. Yes. Yeah, it looks like a security room at uh, the supermarket. But yeah, it's it's quite quite an interesting mission. Um, there was there was. But a, why uh, does dark matter matter? Uh, because it's it has an effect, and we we it doesn't interact as far as we know. We um, only gravitationally. Because it's there. Right. We think. We think. I think they were because... saying that seventy percent of all the energy is dark energy. Hmm. That sounds very negative. 
dark matter. Sorry, 70% of everything out there is dark energy. 25% of everything out there is dark matter, because obviously energy and matter are interchangeable. And then all the stuff that we can see is only about 5% of what the universe is made up of. Mm. And on that basis, we know a tiny fraction about the 5%. So we, if we look at the 95%, we might know a bit more, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. But the difficulty in looking at it is because it's dark, we can't see it. Or rather, mm. it's called dark well, because we can't see it. But we can, we can see the effect it has. Yes, we can infer its presence. Yes. It's a bit like mm. floor mopping guy. You can infer yeah, I mean, his it's, presence. It's a, you, can't, you can't see him, but you know he's it, there. It's a bit like in the, in the orbitals. You know, We can't see what's holding the pizza boxes to the floor, <clears> but <throat> we can infer that it's either magnets or it's really big fans or it's Velcro. We can't see them, but we're going to it's infer them. It's going to be Velcro. Is, yeah. Well, I'm Velcro. Well, apparently galaxies have um, have either big fans, Velcro, or magnets because they wouldn't be able to hold their shape if it wasn't for some scaffolding, something doing the do. And I think everybody's assumed this is what dark matter does. It does the do to make it look all swirly and cool instead of just being blobby and floaty about. Hmm. That's apparently. a very scientific explanation. Yeah, well, I was I was paraphrasing for the benefits of my brain before it exploded. <laughs> so I have a thing here saying early universe in slow mo. So tell me about that. Well, I suppose as I put this one in here, I ought to mention it. They've been looking at quasars. Quasars. Mm. Yes, quasars. they've been the cheesy ones. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the quaver, quavers, 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 quavers. Yeah, they've been looking at quasars. Uh, the, these are the uh, the objects powered by supermassive black holes at the the centre of early galaxies, and they're using them to measure time. Because they're a they're really bright, which means we we get to see them, and b they're really really distant because there aren't many black holes at the centre of early galaxies that we found yet. They're a long way away. Um, anyway, but quasars they'd be. Um, expecting them to be lovely and regular. What they've noticed is that, that actually as they go further away and further back, um, everything getting slower and slower and slower. And so, I mean, to quote them, if you were there in the infant, uni inf infant universe, as in a long time ago, one second had seemed like one second, but from our position, more than 12 billion years into the future, that early time appears to drag. As in, when we observe the stuff that's really far away, because we're seeing stuff that happened a long time ago everything seems to be slower back then than it is now so time is speeding up as you're getting older that's what it feels like yeah because quasars tick apparently. Like VGS, quasars tick but they've found that the tick isn't constant well the further away you go the tick is slower so yeah they're, they're um they're trying to either prove or disprove various ones of einstein's theories um, but what they've now discovered is that if they look further back in time then everything gets slower it sort of shows you that with that Pulsar watches was a really daft name back in the eighties. Oh no, Pulsar timing network is very, very, very accurate. It's no, I mean those dodgy watches they used to. Fly oh yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, the, the dodgy watches were dodgy, but pulsars mm. are very good at keeping time. Mm. Yeah, I mean they were they were yeah they were they were looking at um, supernovae originally to work out uh, or to 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 confirm the slow motion universe back to about half of its age, but now they've got back to about a tenth of the age of the universe using this new method using quasars. Um, but a bit like the Monty Python song, there as far as they understand, the expansion is going to continue and continue, and it's going to get larger and emptier. Um, that's the current theory. It's not going to go squoosh or another big bang or anything else is just getting bigger and bigger and further apart and heading time, to the big course. rip 
Yep. Um, in this ever-expanding universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, quasars. Measuring time, stuff's getting faster. There we go. But That's really cool. slowly. That is cool. I've got some news this week. Ooh. Ooh. I'm getting a co-pilot. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Do tell. Um, Does this co-pilot have a name? Yes. Her name's Mooncake. I put, just put a picture up on screen. Chuckity. I know, right? <laughs> She's adorable. If, 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 I suppose if, like Flossie and Chicks, you have no idea what a mooncake is or what chukati means, you fill us in. Come on. Well, there is a series that you can currently watch on Netflix, but I don't know for how much longer because it was uh, written off by, uh, what was it, Warner Brothers, I think it was. So it was written off as a tax write-off. So you can only see it for a limited time because Netflix still has the license to show it for the next, I don't know how long. So see it while you can. Uh, but it's a series called Final Space. And uh, it's is a sci-fi... Is that the one with Doctor Who is the bad guy? Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah, actually it yeah, is. The Scottish one. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, David Tennant does the voice of, of um, the Lord Commander, who's the ultimate bad guy. Um... And yeah, uh, it, pictured now on the screen, of course. I don't have a picture. No, no, I'm. Oh no, that's the kit. There that, we go. Yeah. <laughs> what What you see here is is Mooncake. Mooncake is is uh, she's a a snowy Bengal, which means she gonna get big. And we have to a have Bengal a harness for her. Bengal is a kind of tiger, not a cat. It's a well, it's a big cat. But it's a tiger. Yeah, she's leopard-like spots all along her. Uh, uh, have you tiger-proofed your house? Not yet. Doing it this week. We've got like seven days, seven days, to to get everything uh, Bengal proof. Not just kitty proof, Bengal proof. Because she, yeah, she's she's gonna get big. She's gonna, gonna get big, and, and maybe <laughs> treat Sandrine as a snack. Yeah, <laughs> we're not allowed to actually let her out like you would a normal cat. We actually have to take her for walks like you would a dog, and she's gonna have a special harness. And, uh, right. Well, otherwise, terrorize the neighborhood, eat passing cars. Yeah. That kind of thing. That kind of thing. Sounds like devour fun. people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the picture of that kitten. Look at the size of the paws. You, you look at the size of the paws in relation to the cat. That cat's definitely going to get. There's not cutesy small little paws. <laughs> those adorable. are going to disembowel you when they grow up, kind of paws. Was that? That was when she was like two weeks old, I think. Something like that. Three when most old. kittens are just lying down with their eyes shut, not doing very much at all. This one is already hunting. You can see that's hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, congratulations on getting your, your moon cake. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we need pictures, obviously, and they're yes. perfectly acceptable to put them up on the Hutton pages, well, the... particularly if Mooncake's flying spaceships and smashing rocks. <laughs> or, she's, you know... she's definitely going to be my co-pilot as long as... Um... She doesn't attack me in the process or attack the, the screen in the process. Do not spray catnip on the stream deck <laughs> on a week that you're broadcasting. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be like one of my weeks when all the buttons get pushed in the wrong order. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Anyway, um, do we have uh, a winner, a mug winner this week? We certainly do. Ooh. This week's mug winner is... Defensive Jack. 
Devantager, Devantager, Devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager.devantager
CG, Coca-Cola Limited Mineral Acquisition. Finished three quarters way between tiers one and two, with 296, no, 297,860 units collected by 804 participants. And this week, there are no CGs this week. And that's it for this week's CG News. Flossie told you what to do. Thank you, Flossie. And now, thanks to the um, uh, sacrifice of the apology officer, we're very happy to be able to present all the properly digested news from around the galaxy again. So here's the ruminations of Commanders Beetlejude and Weatherspoon. Galnet, Galnet News, News Digest, Digest 6, 6 July 3309. We read the news so you don't have to. In this, In week's, this week's news, we tell you about, about the data, data that did splatter. Humanity, Humanity scores a clean sweep, sweep against the Thargoids, the Thargoids and, and a not and very, very exciting mining, mining initiative concludes. Commander, Commander L.C. Nofo-like who's standing as a right-hand candidate for the forthcoming presidential election, has issued a state following the complete failure of any of them in Rianardi to collide with each other on Tuesday night. Having predicted that Moon's B and AC would collide, potentially flattening the data and settlements under millions of tons of rock, and after demanding that the federation might have full-scale megaship evacuation from Galnet News Digest, 6th July 3309. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, we tell you about the data that did splatter. Humanity scores a clean sweep against the Thargoids and a not very exciting mining initiative concludes. Commander L.C. Nofo-like, who's standing as a right-hand candidate for the forthcoming presidential election. Hello. Oh, we seem to... No, I see, that's probably my fault. I've probably wired up the A to B and the B to C and the C to D. And, oops, terribly sorry. Um, Amelia is currently crawling under the desk, um, finding all the wires that I put in the wrong place and trying to fix them. Amelia, Amelia, update from you. Has anything caught fire? No, it all seems standard. 
It all seems standard. Mm. Well, uh, I can't do, figure do, out why do you want going. to? Do you want? Do you want to give it a go, or or shall I? I, I think I may have a backup copy here mm -hmm. that I can hit the magic buttons on if if you get stuck. Yep. Um. You know what? Let's uh, let's try your magic button instead of my magic let's, button. I'm just I'm just going to go and find it, and uh, I've no idea on the volume levels or anything else. But uh, let me see whether. Right, everybody, tell me whether this one works. Hang on. How's that? Are we hearing it? Galnet News Digest, 6th of July, 3309. Reread the news. So Commander LCU Nofal Likewan, who's standing as a write-in candidate for the forthcoming presidential election, has issued a statement following the complete failure of any of the moons in Rianadi to collide with each other on Tuesday night. Having predicted that moons 8b and 8c would collide, potentially flattening the data and so-so settlements under millions of tons of rock, and after demanding that the Pilots' Federation mount a full-scale megaship evacuation for the 35 inhabitants of the two settlements, Commander Nofu Likewan was left with some explaining to do, after the crowd of onlookers and space tourists saw the moon's approach to around 100 kilometres of each other, and then drift apart again. There was no satisfying grinding of human bone between a moon-sized pestle and mortar, leaving some of those who had expended tritium to bring their fleet carriers over for a ringside seat feeling cheated. It is this that Commander Nofu Likewan addressed in his statement. I would like to offer my sincere apologies to the galactic community for the complete mess my staff made of the prediction for the Reynardi collision that did not occur on the 4th of July 3309. My assistant Powell Oblivion clearly made a stupid mistake in the calculations, but I stand by my staff, no matter how moronic they might be, and I can say with certainty that perhaps the independent pilots that donated the data used for the calculations might have messed up and given us the wrong numbers, causing my foolish assistant to miscalculate the dates. It may also have been the databases we used not being up to the high standards that we'd like to set here. But surely all these people who led to this substandard result are blameless, because after all, it is rocket science. Be that as it may, uh, it most definitely is not my fault, because I, your candidate for the Federation presidency, have acted swiftly and decisively to protect the citizens of Reynardi. When my calls for an evacuation were ignored by the Pilots' Federation, I leapt into action and dropped some explosives into the geysers inside Sosa Biological, causing a major eruption and a small war, for which I accept no liability. The eruption was sufficient to alter the orbit so that the bodies would sail past each other a few tens of kilometres apart, as they did. 
So not only am I not to blame for the school by error, I'm also the hero of the piece, and you should shower me with votes in the upcoming election. I would like to point out that neither I nor Canon Interstellar are liable for any tritium wasted journeying to witness the collision that didn't happen, nor for any lives lost in the ensuing battle at Sosa Biological. It's not my fault they mistook my explosives as a hostile action, and neither is it my fault that you've travelled to visit the system, despite the numerous press releases that were sent out in, by interns in my name. Besides, the Bank of Zeance has closed my account in the politically motivated act that is designed to frustrate my presidential ambitions, so I won't have any money to compensate anyone with. I urge you, my loyal followers, to donate tritium to my fleet carrier, the CRV Flower Vagatia, stationed in Reynardi, so that I can fight these sinister forces that wish to deny you of my presidency. Vote early, vote often, my fellow citizens. Galnet Digest approached the Pilots' Federation, but they were unable to comment because they were laughing. Commanders fighting the invading Thargoids managed to completely foil the aliens' plans this week, with all the alert systems and all the invasion systems cleared. This means that there are no invasion systems this week, and the 32 alert systems has already gone down by one, as pilots got to work sampling tissue and otherwise bothering the celestial starfish of doom early this morning. The Thargoids lost control of another 46 systems, leaving them with 925 star systems, of which 146 previously had a human presence. They've lost nearly a quarter of the systems they held at the beginning of May, leading some to question whether we need to attack the Maelstroms at all. Perhaps we can just push the Thargoids out system by system the old-fashioned way. <laughs> In other news, the not terribly inspiring Coca-Cola Limited Mining Initiative has concluded, with the 800 contributing commanders turning in less than a quarter of the desired total of Bertrandite, Coltan and Prysodymium. Paul Dyson of the company put a brave face on the limited success of the appeal, thanking pilots who participated and promising that the proceeds of the campaign would go to a very worthy cause. Perhaps at least part of the problem was that mining is such an unprofitable business these days. Those using a Dyson scanner to scan exobiological phenomena can make as much in an hour as a miner can make in a week. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Thank you to Beetlejuice and Wotherspoon for that. I know it's over to the... Up oh, we didn't think of that. Quick, someone break out the emergency haggis and iron brew and grab the spot results.
Welcome to the Hutton Helper Results. Not this week presented by the Apology Officer. It's me. The Hutton Helper Results are sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third-party resource to come with models of all your previous ships for your fleet carrier ready room. This week, we have the following events. The Final Frontier Shield, the 10 tons of tribbles, uh, no, 20, uh, no, 50, uh, Mug Winner's Cup, or Cup Winner's Cup even, the five-year mission to gather, uh, the five-year mission to gather engineering mats challenge, the Klingons, thousands of them, Deja Vu trophy, trophy, the Kobayashi Maru, this is not a drill survival challenge, the shuttle to the planet of lightning storms and volcanoes, what could possibly go wrong extravaganza. So, may you be forced to live long and prosper. The Hutton Helper results are The Burke jumped 43,000 light years to come first in distance travelled. Old Ed sold 39,000 tons of cargo. Rinser and Cymru is top mission runner with 390 mission points. Again, this can't be right. Mike Castiglione handed in 95 million credits worth of bounties. Mike Castiglione handed in 95 million credits for the bounties. Dart Virtual handed in 617 million credits of combat bombs. And now we know where they got them. Dart Virtual destroyed 304 Thargoids. And Schrodinger Cats may or may not have delivered 423 people to their various destinations. So decals this week for Mike Castiglione and Schrodinger's Cats. Please email I took part at huttonorbital.com and arranged to collect your Hutton decal kit, which this week consists of a Hutton decal nested inside another Hutton decal, nested inside another Hutton decal. There have been 10 Hutton runs by seven commanders in the last seven days. They are High Job with three runs, fastest being one hour, 23 minutes and 35 seconds. Steak Typhoon, oh, there's the name. Two runs with one hour, 24 minutes, one second. Enzo Wingnut Picado with one hour, 24 minutes, 11 seconds. Dwight Schroeter with one hour, 25 minutes, 34 seconds. The Bandicoot with one hour, 32 minutes, 46 seconds. Famous Grouse RVD with one hour, 38 minutes and 34 seconds. And um, Steve King, who managed 24 hours, one minute, and four seconds, uh, probably having done a shoop of lame. Uh, yes, Steak Typhoon's second run took one day, 19 hours, 33 minutes, 10 seconds, which puts them in second last place, beaten only by Impala Mark's time of four days, 15 hours, 15 minutes, and one second. And as is always the case with this report, there's a whole galaxy of stuff out there needing deep breath time. Latibulated, desalinated, shuggled, mitigated, exploded, launched, verified, motivated, evacuated, ejected, manhandled, or woman handled, did request, then smeared, deflected, emphasized, apostrophized, lasered in the face, snuffed, flip flopped, mistranslated to from Scottish, froth, chilled, mugged, ginned, wrapped up in a pretty bow, ship shot, rescued, student or induced, battered, deep fried, dead, dropped, painted, and rolled down a hill, destroyed, bought, phoned in, squeezed, inflated, patched, liquidated, evaporated, smelled, leaked, discombobulated, recombobulated, mutinied or mutated, headbutted, eviscerated, compressed, enveloped, strained, fermented, murderized with an S and terror banged up, Upcycle, violently downcycled, disallowed, reallowed after consulting VAR, loved, adored, cherished, and probated. And, deep breath, you can earn yourself a very fetching Hutton decal for doing it. To get involved, you just have to go to hot.forthemug.com and download or sign up for the spectacular Hutton Helper, available in three pervasive formats. Let's face it, anything has to be better 
than covering for the apology officer on their week off or being sent to Rurapente for not paying your parking tickets. Anyway, that's it for this week. Back to Studio 5. Not Mia. Um, now we go to Amelia Hawk for the Gallnet Rice Tarches. You are about to listen to Amelia Hawk. She tries all the galaxy's most dangerous rare items, so you don't have to. break from tradition, and mainly as it piqued my interest, <clears throat> I'm not looking at a rare, or even a past rare that you can no longer access, but I'm investigating something more cultural. The practices of worlds long cut from society, havens for ancient explorers that have been locked in their habitation domes and on landscapes that other explorers haven't seen for centuries. This week, I'm going to delve into the icy wonders of a rescue, in search of a little warmth. Nestled within the depths of planet B4b, a colony of deep space explorers reside in surface domes. In reality, little more than igloos, though with their own oxygen supplies and rudimentary survival facilities, as the planet has a methane atmosphere, and a thin one at that, they've eked out a living for hundreds of years. Having crashed on the planet's surface and salvaged their long-ranged exploration ship, they've built their own pocket civilization, untouched by their fellow man, or, or woman, for an awfully long time. In more recent years, with the ease by which ships can pass through the galaxy, and visited by fellow traders, explorers, and of course the odd mug and gin delivery, their civilization and unique identity has survived, and there's one aspect which has achieved an element of fame, or notoriety, throughout the galaxy. The inhabitants face a bone-chilling predicament when it comes to matters of the heart and hormones. It seems that the freezing cold climate has made traditional interactions quite the frosty affair. If you can picture methane tundra living humans, layers upon layers of clothing shielding, their delicate physiques, for this is a low-gravity planet, the, the distance from a nearby star being just enough to give them power via solar panels, the materials for their habitation modules being rare, and living in hand-hewn but sealed tunnels under the surface. Day-to-day -day life, they manage well, especially with the tourists that come to stay in the methane ice hotels. But when it comes to their own interactions, Love and the, you know, love and innovation, they, well, they know no bounds, even in the harshest of environments. In the quest for warmth and intimacy, the indigenous inhabitants of Arescue have devised their own peculiar and, dare I say, downright quirky mating traditions. 
the extreme conditions certainly present unique hurdles for the inhabitants in matters of intimacy. The freezing temperatures can have some rather comical and at times inconvenient effects on certain parts of the anatomy. For starters, the Oresquivians must contend with the risk of their vital appendages succumbing to the intense cold. In such freezing temperatures, one can imagine that certain extremities might become susceptible to frostbite, or to put it humorously, snapping off like a frozen twig. Maintaining a delicate balance between warmth and the desire for connection be, can be quite the juggling act. To counter these challenges, the Oresquivians have become masters of layering clothing, fashioning specialised suits that provide optimal insulation. These multifaceted garments not only shield them from the icy winds, but also feature strategic heating elements to ensure that their vital anatomy stays warm and functional. Think of it as a intergalactic fashion marvel, keeping love alive whilst warding off the hazards of frosty conditions. Additionally, the Oresquivians have developed ingenious methods of pre-warming their intimate spaces before engaging in romantic encounters. They utilise a variety of heat sources and warming techniques, ranging from cosy blankets and heating chambers to portable heat packs strategically placed in their attire. This meticulous preparation ensures that their delicate anatomical components are shielded from the harsh bite of the cold and are ready for moments of connection. However, let's not forget the humorous mishaps that can occur when navigating these unique challenges. In the midst of passion and eagerness, the Oresquivians might find themselves unintentionally stuck together due to the freezing temperatures. It's a comical sight, reminiscent of two icicles frozen in an internal embrace. The Oresquivians, much to my relief, have developed innovative solutions for these moments such as discreetly carrying tiny vials of warming agents or employing gentle techniques to gently separate themselves from their frozen entanglements. It's all part of their adventures and humorous journey to find warmth and connection in the face of extreme cold. As for how courting Oresquivians go about their the delicate ballet of courtship, dating and, well, ultimately more intimate encounters, well, they've, they've developed their own unique traditions. First, I encountered the curious case of the Oresquivian's fluffy warmth tango, inspired by the tender courtship rituals of penguins. These intrepid explorers em embrace the art of huddling together for heat. Picture a habitation dome in a vast expanse of icy tundra where groups of individuals gather and waddle uh, the only way to walk in the dense layers of clothing they need, seeking solace in each other's bodily warmth. The dance begins with a gentle shuffle, progressing to into synchronised sliding and ultimately culminating in a grand, fluffy embrace of collective warmth. For those who are suitably warmed by the tango, some move on to the next step of the ritual. For this, Oresquivians have taken inspiration from yet another resilient creature of the animal kingdom, the Emperor Penguin. They call it the endearing ice slide of love. With ice as their stage and sliding as their language of love, these pioneers gracefully glide towards their protective mates. 
prospective mates, sorry. Imagine a majestic dance floor sculpted from the frozen waters where potential partners showcase their agility and slide with flair, all the while keeping their layers intact. A display of elegance and determination as they navigate the treacherous terrain, their hearts longing for a connection that defies the cold. As the frozen moonlight casts a mystical glow upon the icy landscape, we witness the Orisquivians indulging in another peculiar courtship tradition, the synchronised snuggle symphony. Drawing inspiration from the enchanting rituals of emperor penguins and their synchronised incubation, these resourceful beings embrace a harmonious collaboration. Arrayed in snug and padded suits, they gather in large groups and perform intricate rhythmic snuggling patterns. Like an orchestra of intertwined limbs, they create a symphony of warmth. Ensuing no corner of their frosty bodies is left untouched by the tender embrace of a fellow Orisquivian. Albeit through 15 layers of clothing. A ballet of intimacy and survival in the face of chilling temperatures. Of course. Then there's the problem of identification. At some point, you'll want to find a partner of your chosen gender with which you might consider activating your heating element and potentially uncovering the essentials. To which there's only one solution. Other than, other than a simple fluidi, fluid, fluidity when it comes to your preferences, they whisper a discreet question to the fur-lined hood of the nearest snuggler and, depending on the answer, retire to a nearby alcove for the next part of the ritual. A curtain is drawn and... Don't come a-looking if the mating heaters are cooking, as the Equivians would jest. In the frosty realm of Oresk, where the extreme cold tests the limits of their intimate endeavours, they have developed a humorous saying to navigate the delicate balance between warmth and passion. It serves a, as a playful warning, advising others not to intrude upon an amorous encounter if the mating heater is, quite literally, a cooking. If the alcove is glowing, then, well, best not to intrude. As with any heating apparatus, there is a fine line between cosy warmth and scorching discomfort. So, when a passionate rendezvous is in progress and the mating heater reaches its optimum temperature, the Orisquivians jokingly caution others not to intrude, as the temperature might be a little too hot to handle. It's a playful reminder of the delicate balance they strike between the desire for warmth and the need for personal space during intimate moments. Now, I am not a naturally shy person, but I'm sensitive to other people's wishes, and having seen the dancing and sliding and availed myself of a warm snuggle with a few Orisquivians, uh, something to be recommended by the way, I'm leaving them to the conclusion of their ritual with only a tiny peek. I was given the honorary job of carrying the teapot of warm water to separate any couples that forgot to activate their little heaters and have very discreetly poured it in the direction of any exposed flesh that has become frozen to someone else's exposed flesh. I averted my eyes, of, the, of course, didn't check the temperature, which was a minor problem and caused one young man to squeak in horror uh, and give off a smell of freshly boiled frankfurter, but, but no lasting harm. 
Uh, I hope. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Ritual Report. And I've witnessed the Orisquivians getting up to all sorts of things. So you don't have to hunt on Galweb and then have to delete your browser history before someone catches you. That, would, that, that must have been quite a sight. Oh, I have dear. seen things. I've seen you many seen things. things. Yes, <laughs> that, that's definitely an eye opener. That one. I'm just uh, the, the mental picture that you're giving us there of your experience over on a rescue there with your Oriskuvians. Obviously, it's a tourist destination now, so I'd imagine it's the kind of place that maybe courting couples or honeymooners might go to to try and you know. Go, Get it all their in the cold. Love lives. Yeah, I mean, with many, many layers. But um, yeah, I mean, those, those those personal warming devices. Obviously, they they must be keeping things at the optimum temperature. I mean, they've obviously bred over the hundreds of years, so it must be working. Mm, just yeah, there uh, is still a population there. Just uh, just remember the phrase: "Don't come a looking if the mating heaters are cooking." Yeah, absolutely. The little <laughs> alcoves glowing. It's oh, I know what they're up to. Lucky buckers. Yes. <laughs> sometimes quite literally but um yeah i mean the stuff you do for this this uh this show, i mean that little teapot <laughs> you were pouring on that poor man yeah you're supposed to stick your finger in it just to check that it's not too hot yeah there was there was there was that one moment where i got a little bit of a shriek um a little <laughs> squeak of horror um, well, and, I mean, and then hot, the scent too of cold both both of them are going to make you squeak but then the scent um, of freshly the... boiled frankfurter yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a very cold planet. I mean, it, it's a methane atmosphere, 0.04 mm -hmm. atmospheres. You know, if you stand on the surface, I think there was a there was a picture in the promotion we did before the show that we, we put up of somebody in a spacesuit standing on it. It's very, very, very cold and, and quite far from the star there as well. So, yeah, I mean, you, we're talking sort of small numbers of Kelvin. Hmm. Yes. So, yeah, you definitely need the many layers and the warming. And I suppose oh, other people are yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for exposing yourself, or not, in that cold. <laughs> I'd imagine you weren't. You were probably wrapped up. You know, well, yeah, you like have to be wrapped of... up to some extent. You know, it, yeah. it is that cold. You look like you've just been kicked out of Build-A-Bear Workshop in, with many of the costumes <laughs> on or something. Your know, arms stuck out sideways and you can't move them. But um, well, thank you very much. Um, so I just had news that we got the wrong winner for... Too hot, too messy. Did we report. get the wrong winner, or did we talk about last week's wrong winner? It was last week's. It was winner. last week's wrong winner. Oh, so don't worry about this week. This week was correct. This week last was correct. Yeah, but we 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 sort of congratulated the one for last week that was actually for the week before. Right. Correct. Yeah. So last week was Takamoto. The week before was High Job. No, no. And this the other week, way round. Other way round. No, other way round. Then, <laughs> and then of course this week is um, Devantager. Um, Devantager. Devantager. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad we're on the ball with these things. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, we, just... Sorry about the echo earlier. That's entirely my fault. I wired the thing backwards. I handed it over to Amelia, and it was just, I'm sorry. Okay. I have to get the apology officer to not echo my apologies next week or something. I, I blame the ghost in the machine. It was. 
Mm-hmm. But the, uh, luckily, the, the giveaway was that when you hit the button, Chicks' eyes lit up. So. Mm. <laughs> and sparks came out of the end of his moustache. Mm. <laughs> but other than that, Amelia. Yes. So you did your first show last week. Yeah, and it was it was seamless, but not as seamless as this show. It's inevitable. We did say before we went on air that there's something about week two. Mm. We don't know what it is, but something about week two carries a like a magic curse on it when it comes to the show. There's always one button that you, you swear blind <laughs> is fine and just lets you down. Wasn't the button you pushed. It was nothing you did. It was just that one button. That's it. Sparks come out of Chicks' moustache. Job done, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, I would say it'll be all right in the edit, but we don't actually bother editing the shows these days. We put them out warts and all. Yep, warts and all. Yeah, so if you've just listened to this on playback, no, 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 tough. That's exactly what everybody else heard when it was live. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, now, Commander Valkaris, before we move on, Amelia, I'm sorry for sort of treading all over the end of your show. Uh, Commander Valkaris, there was a challenge put down during the news articles about an eviction target. For the Thargoids, because they are so confident in in their abilities to evict the Thargoids. I said, go on, pick one. Go on, just pick one um, that we want to evict Thargoids from. So I, I don't think we're going to be able to do that by the end of the show, unless somebody's really fast on, on looking things up. Uh, we, don't, we don't have those stats particularly live at the moment. But what we're going to do is we're going to go away and scratch our heads. And so, Valkarius, um, if you can wait till tomorrow... I know that gives you one day fewer to evict them. Um, we will have a quick uh, scout round the listener and see if we can find a suitably rude named target, um, <clears throat> somewhere humorous, and uh, if it, or maybe somewhere that chicks hasn't mugged yet, mm. a populated one that chicks hasn't mugged yet, maybe. Just so chicks can go mug it. You never know. Mm. What do you think, chicks? <laughs> I don't shoot the flower people. Is uh... yeah, well, no, no. But if we get rid of the flower people for you, well, what do they leave in the wake? Is it sort of scorched earth? Well, no. I think they come back online eventually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, hot mess does have a problem because thargoids <coughs> keep taking systems away, not as fast as you're mugging them, of course. Excuse yeah. me, hiccups. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So they've only taken less than a thousand away, but not all of those are populated. I think. What does a system therein look like? Well, sort of gooey. I'm just sort of looking at the gal map now. Well, if you turn on the filter for population of more than zero (coughs) and then tick the box for has got Thargoids in, that might might do it. I'm just looking down there. Well, it depends. I don't know whether it has adjusted the population of the systems to take into account the Thargoid invasion, but it might work on the filters. I'm just looking at uh, trying to find one with a funny name. <clears throat> I, I was I was curious Vasu, actually whether Vas, Vasupari is uh, is pricking my interest. Vasupari or Omumba, 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 Omumba. It's um, it's got more of a ring to it than HR two two zero. I'm just, I'm just investigating with the Omumba Blue Boys and the Omumba Natural Co. Yeah, that's let's have a look. Uh, traffic was naught to five commanders. It's currently Thargoid controlled. Hmm. Um, it's got a lovely hydroponics garden uh, by Boozer. Now, Amelia, do you have a button for uh, Inara wired up on your your I, magic? Uh, machine? I don't. No. Oh. <clears throat> um. So yeah, go natural holding, go cultivation holding, 
Gamma Orbital Mesa. It's got quite a lot of stations in here, actually, Commander Chicks. The Fretchit Penal Colony. Uh, Volcari says that one's too close. Oh, 13.6 light years. Too close. Too close to what? Well, I think uh, Volcari said 25 light years. um, If we do one at 25 distant, then it's it's hard work. If we, we do three close or one far away. Okay. Let's, well, three, let's, three, let's three have inhabited or one inhabited. That's about twenty-five light years. Yeah, about twenty-five light years. One that you haven't mugged yet, especially for you. Twenty twenty-five light years from what? Well, actually, I'm just going, while we're doing this, um, Amelia. Oh, do you have okay. Your, uh, are you able to program your sources in? Oh. Sources. If I send you a source, <laughs> I'll be with you in a minute. I've just button. been interdicted. <laughs> Hold yeah, on. We'll this. I've just sent you a link over there in the chat channel. Okay, let me see if I can do this. Um, yes. It's in the. It's in the. It's in the. Um, that chat there. You know that one. Yes. Let me see if I. And can do and this. that should let you interact with it and click on it and and things. Uh huh. Hold on one second. Doing the thing with the. Stuff. Oh, I don't know whether it lets you click and type, but that brings up Omumba. Yeah. But if that's too close, um, right, I've, I've, right, I've evaded the interdiction, so I'm going to take a look. Allegiance Thargoids. So let's have a look for state brackets Thargoid controlled. Okay, I've gathered it up, I think. You, you've got that Is one this... up? So that's the Omumba system, Umumba. yes, with the bodies and stations. Hmm. Now, are are you able to type when you when you click on the searchy box? Does it let you type in in your interact thing? If 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 chicks comes up with another one, how about Wang Quan? <laughs> Ooh, Pardon. Wang Quan. Let's have a look at Wang Quan, shall we? Can you type in Wang Quan? Are, are you good at Wang Quan? Uh, w A. Hang on, I've put it in the put it in the chat there. W A N G A K W A N Wang Quan. Wang Wang Quan, yes. Let's have a Wang. look. Allegiance Thargoids, Thargoid controlled. How, how's that one for Volcarius? Uh, it looks. Ooh, it's hard to say. How far away distance from, the... from the, It doesn't tell you distance from its no, it, parent maelstrom, does it? Well, that would be Hyades Sector FB. Oh, is it 20.7? Tough-ish, but probably... Okay, let's have a look. Have you have you mugged any of those ones yet? Uh, You've no, got... no, no. Not been down that far. Uh, Archibald Station and Brinkman Chemical Holding. Oh, no, some of those are... Um, yeah. Uh, it's got... Um, Glasgow Landing. No, Glasgow. It's got eight stars. Oh, no, it hasn't. Sorry, it's only got four. Onofrienko Port, I think, is the main hmm. uh, port. Has been system. abandoned. It has been abandoned. It did used and to have a large it's population. Full of Thargoids. Yes. Uh, similar stations have Archibald Station, Jordan Holdings, Planetary, and Uflin Station. Outpost brackets, civilian brackets, abandoned. All of which are three hundred seventeen thousand light seconds away from the primary star. Lovely. Sounds perfect for chicks. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Valkarius, if it's okay with you, I mean, if you want to evict them from Wangaquan, that would be absolutely lovely. How soon do they come back online? Well, th- we're going to have to ask Valkarius that mm. one. There you go, Valkarius. You're in chat at the moment. So when you've evicted them, I think there's a natural ticky-ticky-ticky timer that goes off until they're back online. But um, I'm sure Valkarius can tell us in a second. 
but thank you very much, Amelia, for managing to uh, plop that one up on screen for us. That's my pleasure. Um, Four weeks. Notice it does it does the white background as well. There, there's a there's a secret trick as well on these to change the background. Um, apparently, it's, uh, recovery is four weeks, but then Asrafel says currently under seven days. So mm. somewhere between four weeks and seven days, it comes back online again. If you hit 100% inside six days, 10 hours, it moves to recovery stations. Well, I think that should be a mission for Hutton. If Volcarius can kick the Thargoids out, we'll see if we can help it recover. How about that? Sounds There's nodding. Thing. I can see nodding. That's mm. chicks nodding off. Yeah, well, and this <laughs> then would be a CCCG, Flossy. I've got mugs to deliver. Flossy, are you there? So oh, no. Flossy vanished. Fl Flossy's oh. vanished. Flossy dropped out. Hang on a second. Hello, Flossy. You vanished. Uh, yeah, so... I did. Um, oh, sorry. I did. I did say in the chat that I was. Uh... Oh, terribly sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll put you back then. Well, that, that was it. I was just going to say you can declare a CCCG for Valkyria, especially. That was it. Oh, all right, right. Yeah. Sorry about that, Flossie. Possible. Okay. No, sorry, I'll put you back I'm, I'm trying, there, to, then. trying to catch them before they go. <laughs> all right. Let me let me put you back. You go and play with the hanky. Okay. Say hi to the hanky and the rampage. Uh, sorry okay. about that, Flossie. We thought you'd accidentally wandered into the <laughs> wrong room. But uh, we'll put you back then. But anyway, CCCG time. The community-created community goal community time. Right. You'll have to tell me what, because I haven't got a clue. I don't know what yeah, it's Yeah, well, about. Uh, we've got four weeks before you have to declare it. Right. Okay, right. then. Bye-bye again, then, Flossie. Okay, yes. bye. <laughs> well, there, there you go. We've answered Volcarius's question. On the fly, Amelia. Mm-hmm. You get you get gold. You get a special star on your you know your your your, your button pushing badge for that one. Oh, one of I those. Like, is it gold? Randomly thrown you some content you weren't expecting, and you put it on screen. Is it a gold star? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, nice. It's a wandering star. <laughs> I thought it was I'm a not even going to try and sing that star. song with a bass voice, but um, yeah, yes, uh, I know hope I can. Anyway, anyway. Right, Amelia, as it's yes. your show, uh -huh. you don't get to do the shouty bit. That's but you fine. you have to introduce the shouty bit. Yeah, that's good. Who wants so to do the shouty bit? To you now. Who well, wants to do can. the shouty bit, then? We all can. Okay, okay. All right, then get Half ready, guys. You because you're introducing it. Remember, you know, project. You know, project. It's, it's all in, in the chest, in the throat. <laughs> Go on then. For the, For the mug! mug! <laughs> For the mug! For that mug. Journey too long, a cargo too small. Profit margins never really mattered at all. Gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere. 
Load another teen out to the brim with the rest for the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, everybody's seen the trucker song. Flossie always seems to crash into the sun Skibble likes to pile it on the Xbox One Having out the free, you know, leads us well Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody else For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from for the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Everybody's seen the Chucker song. For the more, for the more, for the more. You know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Everybody's seen the Chucker song. Profit margins never really mattered at all We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere So shout it out loud like you don't even care For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more Everybody sing the Chucker song For the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more Everybody sing the Chucker song Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show. Everyone's buggered off now, so why don't you buggle off too? Seamless.